Hello, my friend, and welcome to another episode of Negotiate Anything. Thanks for spending time with us today. It's listeners like you in 181 different countries that have made Negotiate Anything the most popular negotiation and conflict resolution podcast in the world. I'm your host, Kwame Christian. I'm a business lawyer, mediator, professor, and the director of the American Negotiation Institute. Before we get started, I have two quick questions for you. Is negotiation a critical part of what you do? Do you need to resolve conflict and persuade at work? If you answered yes to both of those questions, visit our website to learn more about our negotiation workshops. We've traveled the country working with professionals just like you, and we'd love to have the opportunity to work with you too. Check out the link in the description to learn more. Laura, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for having me back. This was fun to just get like a quick little invitation to come and join you and and that makes it fun for me while I'm home in my home office quarantined. Right. No, I've been meaning to reach out to you again. And then I realized, hey, now is a perfect time. (laughs) It sure is. (laughs) um, How about you get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Yeah. So My name is Laura Heck. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and also a certified Gottman therapist, which is sort of an added specialty. And um, I have a podcast called Marriage Therapy Radio. Gosh, what else? I have been doing virtual therapy for the last five years and I work exclusively with couples. And I had mentioned to you that I feel like I'm a, a bit of a dinosaur because right now in my industry, in my field, Everyone's moving to telehealth. And if they've never done it before, we're we're coming up with new and unique ways to take in-person care and move it to virtual care. And and strangely enough, I've been just doing virtual care for the last five years. So it's been fun being able to just watch this new wave of people come through to trying to figure it out. I think we're all just trying to figure it out. Everything is yeah. new right now. It's the yeah. wild, wild west. You're you're absolutely right. And I'm assuming then for you, it's not just now the the therapy that you've already been doing online. It's probably opening up a few opportunities for you to be that, that leader uh, when it comes to delivering these types of services online as well for your, yes. your contemporaries. Yeah, it's been fun. I've been, I've been hosting actually quite a few webinars, teaching people how to utilize their technology, their platform, how to get the lighting right. This is a ring light over here. Yeah, how to get your background kind of pretty so that it's in- engaging, but not too bland. Oh, but yeah, it's been a really fun month, actually. I've really been enjoying just working from home and, man, figuring out how to make all this work while I have kids home who are home from school. So, yeah. Very cool. Yeah, we are super pumped to have you because this is something that a lot of the listeners have been reaching out to me asking about, something that I <laughs> want some help with, too. And that is managing conflict with family members during a quarantine, because usually you can get some, some space. Now we don't have space. So, yeah. Yeah. So where do you think we should start? Let's just make this an open discussion. Sure. I mean, I think that the space idea is actually really important to start with. And uh, the first thing that I think about is generally we have a couple of people, maybe some kids and everyone kind of goes to their own space, their own corners outside of the home. So you might be leaving to go to your office. The kids leave to go to school. If you have a stay-at-home parent, they have the opportunity of having an empty, quiet house, or maybe they just have one kid at home rather than five kids at home. And now everybody's home. And especially with it being sort of a transition from winter to spring, we have weather that's either really welcoming to go outside and you can expand outside and you can enjoy you know, going for a hike with your family or a walk, 
but if the weather is crummy, you're really stuck inside. It's cabin fever. So one of the important parts that I want people to think about is that your home is like a pressure cooker. And if you imagine your pressure cooker, there is this desire to have a release valve and to release all that steam and all of that pressure. And the way that we can do that when, when we are all within one another's space is to have that designated, secure, safe haven that you can go to that is only yours. And it's funny, I actually heard a story of a dad who just needed to get away. And his family looked everywhere for him and they couldn't find him in their house. And they thought, well, where did dad go? Did he go for a walk? But it was really rainy and windy. And they found dad in the minivan with his iPad in the garage with the garage door closed. And that was his own desire to find a quiet space where no one could find him. And that was the only spot he felt like he could really call his own. And that's what's really important is right now, as you're home and you're quarantined, I would say hold a family meeting and divvy up the house and figure out what's going to be your safe space that when you go there and your door is closed or your sign is on your door, it's like, you know, I call it like the He-Man Woman Hater Club when you put the sign on the door and you're like, no, no moms welcome, no wives welcome past this door. And if you're in a small space, you might have to get creative like this, this gentleman and go find the minivan and make it your little cave in the back, you know, lay your blankets down and get your cooler out there and make it some space that you really enjoy being in. This is great. I want to text Whitney right now <laughs> and tell her we're having a family meeting. That's something that I've been struggling with. And I know a lot of people have been too. I have uh, a, I gave Kai the basement. And so I have this room upstairs that's, that is my man cave. We, it's yes. lavender. And so we call it dad's purple room. But that's where we have my, my gaming systems. But yeah. to occupy Kai's time, I've started to teach him how to play N64 and things like that. Because yeah. sometimes I, I have to resort to giving him a little bit of screen time. But that now my space is gone. So I really appreciate that example because I feel as though I don't have an escape and I'm just seething inside and I just say, I wish it were nighttime. I just wish I were asleep and I could just yes. start to stay over again. So, right. And it, I mean, having that designated space is important. And what can happen where tension and conflict comes up in relationships is that when we start to what I call escape or buffer without really informing our partner that we're checking out. So it's okay to say to your partner, like, babe, I really need an hour to go up to the lavender room. I'll be back down at three o'clock and then I'll take, you know, the little one off your hands and then you can do whatever you need to do, go for a run or, you know, take a bath or whatever you need to do. But I just need this hour to recharge. So you're verbalizing it. What ends up happening is that we tend to buffer or check out by, you see people that are like scrolling social media and they're totally checked out, not paying any attention. You're in the same room as them, but you feel like they've disengaged or other things, drinking. We have seen such an increase in drinking because people are just trying to numb out and buffer. And I mean, there's a lot of different ways that we tend to do this. Or another way, you're still going to the office right now because there's nobody at the office. So you're still able to sort of escape. And you might find a little extra reason to be like, oh, sorry, babe, I'm just really caught up. Got to put a couple extra hours in because you don't want to go home. And uh, so I just think it's really helpful to be able to, rather than disconnecting, to be able 
able to take a really intentional break and go to your safe space in your home and create one for your kid too. Like make a bomb fort for your little one in the basement so that he has what we, we call it Iceland. Um, he has his little island that he can go to that he can, you know, all of his favorite things are in there and have a little quiet time. That's another one. Institute quiet time in the household. If you have kids, quiet time doesn't mean you have to sleep. It just means you have to go to your sacred space for an hour and just hang out. And I don't care if you're on an iPad, I don't care what you're doing. That's your time. And that's going to help normalize it in your family. If your kids are participating as well. This is great. This is fantastic. Cool. Okay. So you, uh, you answered that one too easily. Let's give you a hard one. Let's oh, give you a really hard one. Okay. okay. So what if it's a family where the parents are separated and yeah. they're in a situation where now they have to figure out where the kids are going to go, what the rules are going to be now that we're in this new world, there right. are going to be new rules that need to be instituted. How can people who are that far apart come together and have those difficult conversations? Does your company invest in professional development training? If you believe your team would benefit from a negotiation workshop, all you need to do is go to our website, fill out the workshop request form, and then we'll set up a time to connect. Our workshops are completely customized to reflect the specific and individual concerns faced by you and your team. Our calendar is filling up quickly, and we even have workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Click the link in the description to learn more. And now, let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I have not heard. What's interesting is most of the clients that I work with are still married. So <laughs> I don't work with a lot of couples, but there's a lot of, there's blended family situations. And, um, and actually my brother's going through this and they had to figure out partially because one is home and she's a school teacher. So she's not at school during the day. She's home with the kids. She's not interfacing with the public. But then you have my brother who is the parent who's still working out with the public. And so the the potential of him being a carrier, a COVID carrier is pretty high. And so first of all, they had a conversation about safety. And that seems to be pretty stinking high on the list of who is this about and is it safe for me to be interacting with the kids? For a while, the only interaction he had was being out in the yard and hanging out with the kids, but keeping six feet of distance and still being with a mask and gloves. And that's really tough. So I would say, number one, let's talk about safety and what's actually going to make sense. Let's talk about the type of people that we are interacting with. So uh, if you have two separate families and one family is, well, I mean, there has to be this trust, right? Like this idea of who are you going to be interacting with? Are you self-quarantined or do you have someone else in your life, like a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a significant other that you're interacting with? And there needs to be a conversation about who is our bubble? Who are we including within our safety bubble to make sure that we're not contaminating each other, basically. The other thing is I think everything that was once our normal gets thrown out. I know that if you're in a divorce situation, you have some pretty strict guidelines, but none of that is real anymore. We are in a new normal and being able to say, this is strange times, let's sit down, let's wipe the slate clean and let's figure out what's gonna work for all of us. But most importantly, what's gonna keep us safe and what's gonna be good for our mental health. And what's going to be best for the kids? I like to start with what's the main goal. 
Is the main goal that we stay safe? Great. So what does that look like? Is the main goal that the kids have some sense of normalcy and routine? What would that look like? So always sitting down and identifying the goal first is most important when you're coming up with these new rules to follow during COVID. This is great. And I I think there are a lot of ways to bring this back to a a standard negotiation because we can tell how in this situation that that we're just discussing, how emotions can be incredibly high, probably uh, higher than you would have in, in business situations when you're talking about love and family and those type of things. And so what I like to do when there's a situation of um, contention between parties, especially as a a mediator too, is we have to find some common ground. And the way we do it is by expanding the scope of our vision, getting a bigger perspective. If we focus it on a narrow thing, like I want to see my kids, great. In negotiation terms, we would call that a position versus an interest, right? Uh, this is where I stand right now. But yeah. what, let's, let's expand the scope until we find a place where we agree. Safety. You want the kids to be safe. I want the kids to be safe. Awesome. Right? Great. Let's start there. And now let's figure out what that looks like. And the conversation yeah. can begin to flow a little bit more organically um, there. You can generate some positive momentum. I was just thinking about that. Like if you find like the least common denominator, the low hanging fruit, I guess, of, okay, we both agree on safety. That's a no brainer. Then all of a sudden you start to feel like maybe we're not as polarized as we think we are. Maybe we're, we're actually a little bit closer together and we can come up once, like what you said, creating that momentum, pick the lowest hanging fruit, get some momentum going, practice saying, yes, that makes sense to me that, yes, that is a great idea. How would we go about doing that? Then you can come to better solutions along the way. So yeah, cool. Fantastic. Good. Okay. So now I I gave you the hard one now. Yeah, you did. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let's move on to another one. And, And we've kind of touched on this, but maybe we can get a little bit more specific as like an actual example. So Let's say it's a situation where both parents obviously love the children, but they have different perspectives on how serious this pandemic is. One parent says, hey, it's just the flu. I want my kids to be socialized. I want them to go outside and play with their friends and things like that. The other parent says, hey, there's a pandemic. People are dying. I want to make sure that we stay safe. That's the, the key issue. But they have different perspectives on the level of safety or the level of risk posed by the disease. And so in that type of situation, what would you suggest the parents do to begin the conversation? I'm laughing because we have gone through so many iterations. And I actually think this is going to be a perpetual problem that comes up because if we are going to experience kind of like these waves of security and threat with with the pandemic, where in the fall, all of a sudden they're like, well, we're at another heightened risk. We're going to close close schools down. Everyone's going to go back into self-quarantine we're going to keep experiencing these waves, which means we're going to keep having these conversations. Just because you solve it in the spring of 2020 doesn't mean you're not going to have this conversation come back up in the fall of 2020. So I would say, number one, I want to take a step back. And if you find like you are gridlocked and one of you says, nope, we are in lockdown. We are not leaving this house. We're not going to interact with anybody else. And then your extrovert partner is like, please, 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 can we do a dinner party with the neighbors? I just need to interact. And you're thinking, this is scary for me. This is a real threat. And we're definitely not on the same page as far as our rules about how to negotiate this lockdown. 
I want to take a step back and I would say, don't solve the problem yet. It's all about understanding your partner's point of view. And it too often we get focused on trying to convince our partner about why we're right, that we don't take the time to actually understand our partner's point of view. We're just trying to force our own point of view down their throat. So I would say, let's just sit down. Let's not make any decisions. But the phrase I love to use is help me understand. So help me understand why this is so important to you. Help me understand your thinking behind why it would be okay to let the kids play with their cousins or let the kids play with the neighbor kids. Tell me your thinking about this. Tell me why this is important to you and help it be a judgment-free zone because you want your partner to share as much information as possible so that you can gain some understanding. And too often we go into problem solving and negotiating without actually fully understanding the other person's point of view. And that's important, especially with your partner, to be able to make them feel like you're here, you're listening and you get their point of view. And oftentimes, once each partner has had a a chance to fully share their point of view, what's important to them, you feel like you're actually coming a lot closer and you're not as, like I said, polarized as before. So that's, that's my number one goal is seek understanding first. Yeah, you're spot on. A lot of people try to persuade too soon. Yes. In the conversation. And honestly, a lot of people are afraid of empathy. They're afraid of empathizing because they're saying, if I'm empathizing, doesn't that almost give them license to continue to be wrong? Aren't I losing position by by doing that? But really, it's it's not a threat. It helps you to understand the situation. And all you're doing is seeing how they see, think, feel, perceive the situation. You're not agreeing with them under those uh, circumstances. And then let's say if you want to continue to have the conversation and you do want to get them to eventually change their position, understanding where they are is going to be a critical part of the persuasive process, but you need to put it in the right place, which is up at the front of the conversation. Totally agree. I, I like to say that empathizing and validating your partner costs you nothing. It, it does not mean that you have to agree with your partner. It just means that you are understanding their point of view and that costs you $0. In fact, it is going to de-escalate your partner and, and the tension that they experience and it's going to make them so much more flexible to hearing you if they first feel heard. So um, empathize and validate your partner. Pause, zip it. Just focus on understanding your partner and listening to their point of view. And then obviously you get an opportunity to do the same is to be able to share your point of view. Right. And sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between an emotional request and a substantive request. So think about the example that you gave with the spouse that wants to do a dinner party. So yeah, of course, they might be very extroverted. They want that connection. But maybe really what they really want out of this situation, even though they recognize that it's not in their best interest to have that dinner party, they want you to understand, empathize with them and say, yeah, I know this is hard for you. You're struggling Mm -hmm. right now. If you just empathize with them in that way and you acknowledge that emotion, then that might be enough to get them to adjust their position by uh, reflexively pushing back on what they're saying without taking the opportunity to just say, hey, that makes sense. I understand you. I see where you're coming from. The other person almost feels obligated to maintain that position. It's like, no, you don't get how much I'm hurting right now. So we're going to have that dinner party. (laughs) Yes. Pushing it. Yes. I, I think of it a lot like a teenager. Like if you tell your teenager, no, they're really going to, they're going to either 
become louder and more vocal and hold their position even more, or they're going to go around you. And I think that it's important, especially with your partner, you don't want them to start going around you because your response to them is no without fully understanding. But if you understand like your partner is just going out of their mind because they're extroverted and they need to connect and that was the way that they blew off steam and they relaxed. And so there's a lot going on for them. And this is the solution that they came up with in their head. But if you listen to them and you empathize, they might say, you know, I know that there is some risk. I know that this probably isn't the best solution. And now that I've talked to you about it, I realize that I might be able to have a Zoom party with my college boys and that would help me feel more connected. And that would probably take the tension off of whatever I'm experiencing. And I just oftentimes find that empathy really does allow you to soften your partner's position, soften your own position. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, changing uh, gears a little bit, earlier we've, we've spent the majority of our time talking about situations where there already is conflict. What advice do you have for people when it comes to making sure that you can avoid conflict that is not constructive? What can you do to create an atmosphere that can help you to avoid these problems before they start? Yeah, so I would say number one, during this time of COVID, it's tough because any habits or rituals that you had in place prior to COVID, a lot of times those habits and rituals that keep us feeling grounded in life have been thrown out the window and we're no longer relying on it. So if you're someone where you drop your kids off at school, then you go to the gym that's right next to the school. And now you're not dropping your kids off at school and the gym's closed. Now, all of a sudden, those rituals are getting thrown out the window. And when that happens, it tends to create sort of this inner chaos in ourselves. And I like to think of it as how can we create new habits and new rituals? Because whatever we had before, they just don't exist. So let's take a look at the most grounding habits that you probably have. Number one, it's probably sleep, food, and exercise. Sleep, food, exercise. And honestly, socialization is getting, getting an opportunity to talk to people that you love and care about. So those four things, whatever rituals you had in place, they're probably different. And I would say that there's a lot of tension that builds when you're trying to maintain the same habits that you had prior to COVID, but you can't. So we kind of have to let go of those old habits and figure out how are we going to create new habits that fit our new lifestyle. And I would say at this point, a lot of people are thinking, well, this was short term. I don't think we're short term. I don't want to scare you, but I think we need to be planning for the next few months. And if that's the case, then we need to figure out what's going to work for our sleep schedule now that we have kids home. You might be going to bed later and you might be getting up later than you're used to. What's going to work for food? You're not eating the same type of food. You certainly don't get the opportunity to go out to restaurants and dine and socialize. So, what are you going to do in order to make this a new habit that you can rely on that you're fueling your body in a healthy way? How can you work out and blow off steam and um, continue to build muscle and all these things? I'll tell you, Kwame, I don't have a weight set and I'm driving myself absolutely bonkers. I literally went into the garage. And I just started picking things up. I was like, oh, this feels about 20 pounds. Okay. Oh, wow. And uh, this one looks like I could do some kettlebell swings with this, this big jug of water. I mean, I'm just trying to find anything I can in order to maintain that muscle mass. But I had to recreate the wheel a little bit because the old habit, the old ritual of going to the gym is just not possible anymore. 
So that would be probably my first step is taking a look at what rituals you had, letting go and grieving them. They'll come back, but at the moment, we're going to have to change things up and create some new rituals. I think this is great. I'm smiling so much because I'm saying I need to do all of this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's really great. And also, when you think about one of the things that leads to the breakdown of relationships, it's the violation of expectations. And a lot of times when it comes to the habits that we're trying to create in this new world we found ourselves in, the other person isn't expecting it. I know sometimes for me, it's I'm fighting this whole day trying to be a professional, a stay-at-home dad, uh, a school teacher, and a decent husband. And so at the end of the day, I just want to relax. And then Whitney has a, a virtual dance class that starts at seven. I said, I was trying to take seven to eight off. You, what? How is this? Yeah. But I can't get mad at her because it was just an unarticulated expectation that I had. And so Ooh. I feel like almost with these, with these habits that we're trying to create in this situation, that's a negotiation opportunity where we can say, these are the things that are important to me. And then your partner yes. says, those are the things that are important to me. How can we fit this into this new schedule? I'm with you. I think that's really important. And also you were talking about roles and roles are something that need to be explicitly discussed. Taking a look at now all of a sudden you're shifting your roles because I was never, well, how can I put this? Now somebody has to be the school teacher. So you just took that on. So now who's going to take on school teacher role? And now someone's going to have to be chef. And it might be someone who's not used to cooking a whole lot, but Mm -hmm. you're the only person that has the time to cook. So also, again, take the whiteboard and wipe it clean and figure out how are we going to renegotiate our roles? Because whatever we had in place before COVID worked really well for us. But now we have a kid at home. Now we have two careers we're trying to manage at the same time. Now we have all of us in the same space. And you have to renegotiate the roles in which you're playing and make sure that works for everyone. Okay, let's get a little bit meta here. Let's talk about internal negotiations a bit because fighting takes a lot of energy. When you're fighting yourself, I feel like it takes a lot more. And what I find is that thinking about those competing roles internally I feel as though sometimes what would make me a great professional, a great business owner is, are the same things that make me a horrible dad <laughs> because I need to do something completely different. Oh, and yeah. Vice versa. So every time I'm doing something well, I feel like I'm doing something equally poorly. And mm. so when it comes to that internal battle that people are fighting, what do you think could help in, in, in getting some sense of normalcy or peace, internal peace when it comes to these this situation? Yeah. So I think it can be really, really difficult to try and do everything all at once, which is what I think a lot of people are trying to do. So what ended up happening, I'll just give you an example from my own personal life is I I have a private practice. I'm a couples therapist. I have a home office and, um, and I had clients during the day and then all of a sudden school canceled and someone had to be caretaker to our child. So then starts the conversation between my husband and myself. Who's, how are we going to negotiate this? How are we going to manage this? And what I knew is that you cannot multitask. It is going to drive you up the wall if you try to be a professional and also try to be a parent at the same time. You're not going to be able to give 100% to your child and you're not going to be able to give 100% to your profession. And so that's the internal battle that I saw. And I knew in advance, there cannot be half-half. It needs to be compartmentalized transition. 
And so I decided, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to transition all of my clients to the evening. And so from 8 a.m. until 5 p.m., I'm mommy on duty and I'm not working. And that was really helpful for me to be able to have a clean break between roles. Now, my husband is also home and he's working in a home office. And the rule that we sort of established is when you come out into the common space, that means you are present as a husband and it means you're present as a father. So if you have your earbud in and you are listening and you're on a conference call, that means you're disengaged from us and that's not fair. And it also is frustrating for him because we're trying to get his attention, trying to talk to him. I want him to take the garbage out to the curb and he's not available. And so the tension ends up coming up when there's a sort of overlap of these roles that haven't been negotiated. So I would say to answer your question is don't try and do it all at the same time. You have either your parent or husband hat on or you have your professional hat on. And when you transition, you are 100% of either. So being able to go to your office and actually leave the home is a really easy way to do that. But what happens if you aren't home and you're in your office? How can you designate yourself as 100% professional and not daddy on duty? And it might be closing your door. When I was in college, this is kind of a funny story, and I lived with five other girls, we would wear a hat in the house if it meant we were studying and unavailable for talking. We didn't want to be distracted. And so anytime a girl was at the kitchen table and she was wearing a hat, it basically meant, leave me alone, I'm studying. But that was how we kind of designated that internal struggle of, am I a college party girl or am I a college student that's studying right now was by wearing a hat. So it's just this idea of compartmentalizing, know that you can't do it all at the same time. You're just not going to give yourself, do yourself service. This is great. I feel like I'm about to go buy a hat uh, (laughs) because I need that. And because it was funny, it's so funny because I'm just always used to talking to adults, even though I've had, you know, four and a half years of experience now. <laughs> yeah, without- and so uh, I was saying, okay, well, I, I need quiet. Let me just write on a piece of paper and put it on the door that says quiet. And I said, oh, no, he can't read yet. <laughs> like, what? How do I communicate with him when I'm not trying to communicate with him? So yeah. I think that's really great. That's really helpful because that's, I think, a system that everybody can understand. If you're in this location, it's sacred for this purpose. If you have, for instance, the hat method or whatever it is, there's some signal to let people know which role it is that you're playing at which time. And I think that will help people to engage effectively. What you started asking was about the internal struggle of being able to negotiate these different roles that you're in and what your responsibilities are. And for you having that space, it's not just for other people to be able to identify that like, okay, when when you're in your lavender room, that means that's your space, that's your time, I'm not going to bother you. And that's a good indicator for other people, but it's also really helpful for us to be able to have those internal triggers, if you will, that, okay, so when I leave my office, I'm putting down my phone, I'm closing my computer, I'm taking my earbuds out, and I'm engaged with my people. And that's one thing that I think oftentimes there's unnecessary conflict and tension in the house because we're missing each other opportunities to connect with each other because we're trying to do so many other things at the same time. I'm trying to teach my kid school. I'm trying to clean the kitchen. I'm trying to listen to a conference call. I'm doing all these things at the same time and I'm not doing any of them justice and I'm certainly not helping in the relationship in my home. This is great. This is fantastic. And I'm, cool. it's, I'm almost having trouble 
staying zoned in on this conversation because every time you say something great, I'm like, I need to institute this <laughs> in, my, <laughs> in my house immediately. So this has been fantastic. Thank Good. you so much for this. But before you go, let the listeners know again about your podcast and the trainings and the therapy that you have uh, because yeah. I think it's a great resource for them. Awesome. Yeah. So the podcast is Marriage Therapy Radio and you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. And we have, which I think is pretty fun. We have a course right now for couples because I think so many couples are stuck at home and there might be, if you've reached the end of Netflix, like I have, you might be looking for something else to watch. And we have a video series for couples. So it's actually 16 videos that are teaching couples how to negotiate conflict, how to deepen communication and intimacy and all of these cool things. So that's on our, our website, Marriage Therapy Radio. And then also my private practice. If you want to go to my webpage, it's lauraheckTherapy.com. Fantastic. Laura, always a pleasure. Thank you so Likewise. much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you. Congratulations, you've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard. What most team members do is they subscribe to the podcast because that allows them to automatically get the latest episodes of the show. The best things in life lie on the other side of difficult conversations. Keep learning, keep practicing, and keep getting better. Your relationships will improve, your career will soar, and you'll have the confidence you need to get the most out of these crucial conversations. Again, thank you for joining the team. We're excited to have you, and I will see you in the next episode. I'll catch you later.